One day, when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, came along with them. God singled out Satan and said, What have you been up to? Satan answered God, Going here and there, checking things out on earth. God said to Satan, Have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. Satan retorted, So do you think Job does all of that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no one has ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet, make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took everything that is his? He'd curse you right to your face, that's what. God replied, We'll see. Go ahead. Do what you want with all that is his. Just don't hurt him. Then Satan left the presence of God. Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of the eldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys grazing in the fields next to us when Sabines attacked. They stole the animals and killed the field hands. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried them, burning them to a crisp. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Chaldeans coming from three directions raided the camels and massacred the camel drivers. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. And whilst he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Your children were having a party at the home of the eldest brother when a tornado swept in off the desert and struck the house. It collapsed on the young people and they died. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. Job got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, and then fell to the ground and worshipped. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes. God's name be ever blessed. Not once through all this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. Welcome back to our study of Job. I'm Ian, and this is the Sailor Time to Pause podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I will stop and breathe in your presence, just breathe, just breathe. Jane and Claire were the best of friends. They hadn't known each other for terribly long, but their friendship had grown quickly. Jane was new to the university and had met Claire, a returning student, on the first day. They shared accommodation together, living on the same corridor. Claire had helped her to settle in and show her the ropes of university life. Claire's practical help had been invaluable to Jane as she'd tried to navigate this new and unfamiliar world how to understand your timetable and schedule tutorials, how to find lecture halls and get between them quickly, how to submit essays and assignments. But it was in the less academic arena that Claire's help had been most useful to Jane. Claire was charismatic and wildly popular, 
and already had a large, strong group of friends. But Jane was invited into the group and made to feel welcome, and she was starting to become friends with them too. Claire's group of friends was made up of all sorts. They studied different subjects, had different hobbies and interests, different personalities. Some were quiet, some were loud. Some loved to go out to parties, others to stay in. Some were easygoing and others were the stereotypical rebels with a cause. It seemed that Claire was the hub of the group and it was her friendship that held the group together as a whole. As the term progressed and the newness and excitement of living with folk her own age and without parental rules began to give way to the realisation that she needed to work, Jane began to feel a little homesick. At first it was just in the evenings when she sat down to a pot noodle rather than her mum's home-cooked meals, but soon it was happening more often. She would feel it when she was working alone in her room. She would feel down when she woke up, sometimes even in the middle of a loud crowd. She decided to speak to Claire about it. She was glad that she had a friend she could talk to. No sooner had she started to share about how she was feeling than Claire jumped up and threw her arms around Jane in a big bear hug. Claire spoke about how she had felt the same way in her first year and reassured Jane that the feeling would not last forever. Claire told Jane about the things that had helped her when she'd been feeling that way. After all, she'd been a first year once too and assured her that she would cancel her plans that night so that Jane wouldn't be alone. Jane could make a phone call home and speak to her family and then the two of them would go out together and do something. It was just what Jane needed at that time. And for the next few days, Claire made sure that she was always around in case Jane just needed a little company. But after a while, Jane noticed that not all of their friends seemed quite so caring. Surely, they would say to Jane, surely it's time to get over it now. You can't spend your whole life wallowing in your own self-pity. You're not being fair to Claire. You'll wear her out. She takes everyone else's problems on herself. Can't you just pretend to be all right, at least in front of Claire? So Jane did. The other girls had known Claire for longer and they knew her better. And Jane definitely did not want to create problems for Claire. The last thing she would want to do was to upset or offend the friend who had always been there for her when she needed it. And so Jane learned how to put on a front, creating a facade that said, all's well with me. Yet, for all of Jane's good intentions, her actions had exactly the opposite effect. Jane told Claire that she'd gotten over her homesickness, but being a good friend, Claire still occasionally asked and checked up on her friend's well-being. And each time, Jane continued to insist that there was no problem. No, she didn't have homesickness. No, she wasn't sad. No, Claire hadn't done anything to upset her. No, there was nothing Claire could do. Yes, she was fine. But Claire had been friends with Jane for long enough to know that things were not quite right despite Jane's protestations. Jane may not tell her to her face, but she could see in her eyes that she was not happy. She could hear through the walls when her friend cried on the phone calls to home and when she cried all alone in her room. She knew things were not how they had been. The openness was gone and Claire was hurt. Why did Jane now not trust her? What was wrong and why did Jane not want her help? Did Jane no longer wish to be friends? Claire was hurt now and she didn't know why. She didn't know what was going on and why her friendship was now constantly rebuffed. The result was inevitable. With trust lost and both of them now hurting, 
the friendship dissipated and eventually collapsed. The story of Jane and Claire is the story of a friendship begun, only to be eventually lost. The book of Job is also a story about two friends, the story of Job and God. Right at the beginning of the book, we start to understand something of their friendship. When God introduces Job to the assembled heavenly court, he calls him, My friend Job. And we found out that all of the blessings for which Job is thankful come as a direct result of this friendship. Yet Job's friendship with God is not simply a selfish one based on him receiving blessings. The whole thread of this book is that Job's friendship is not based on what God gives him. It runs deeper. Job is a good man who does not want to offend his friend in any way. So much so that each day he would make an offering to God on behalf of his children in case any of them had offended him. And in return, God had taken an active interest in his life, even boasting about him. Have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. Later in this book, we'll be introduced to some of Job's other friends. But Job and God are the two true friends in this story. And the strength of that friendship enables Job to be honest. And then the day comes when bad news starts to arrive. But this is no mere bothersome nuisance. It's truly calamitous and it keeps piling up. His livestock and his farm are lost. His farmhands and servants are killed. Foreign raiders and fire falling from heaven. And it ends with a mighty whirlwind collapsing a house onto his sons and daughters, killing them all outright. Anything that could go wrong has almost everything imaginable has befallen him. We learn a lot about the relationship between Job and God when everything goes wrong. Think of Job before this happened. He was happy. He was rich. He loved God and then, in a few minutes, he loses everything. He even loses all his ten children. Here we can see how Job thinks about God. Job shows his pain. He's real with God. He doesn't pretend that he's okay. He's not okay. He's broken to pieces inside. In his agony, he tears up and he tears up his clothes and cuts off his hair and falls to the ground and cries out to God. He opens his breaking heart and pours out his whole grief. We're told that he worships. He takes it all before God. Every ounce of his pain, real and unadulterated. He doesn't take time to process it or to come to terms with it. He doesn't wait until it sinks in and his feelings are less raw. In his moment of deepest pain, he goes straight to his friend and calls upon their friendship. If he is to process his pain, he'll do it with his friend beside him. If he'll come to terms with what has happened, he will do so with his friend there to support him. If the reality and the scale of the tragedy are to sink in, it will happen where he feels safe, in the presence of his friend. His friend will share the totality of his pain, but that's what friends do. Some Christians, however, seem to treat God less like a friend and more like an omnipotent headmaster. Someone towards whom you need to retain respect and refrain from familiarity, and in front of whom you need to keep your upper lip stiff. And they expect that of others too. Just like Claire's friends who allowed their own doubts about Claire's ability to cope with others' problems to influence their advice. They allowed their own insecurities about their relationships with Claire to sow seeds of insecurity into Jane's friendship. 
But that sort of pretense threatens relationships, just as Jane and Claire discovered. A lack of honesty threatens relationships and erodes trust. Imagine how the Bible story may have been different if Job, like Jane, had started to hold himself back and censor his thoughts and feelings when speaking to God. The beginning and the end of friendship. Trust becoming lost in the maelstrom of Job's pain and Job distancing himself more and more from his friend until little, if any, of the friendship remains. But Job doesn't hold back. He tears his clothes and cuts off his hair to show his pain and loss. It's good to show our pain. We can be real with God and show him how we feel, whether that's thankful and joyous or sad in pain and angry. As Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. We should never pretend to praise God with a smile if we don't feel like that inside. Job knows better. He shows his pain. He's real with God. And because of this, their friendship continues and grows. When we forget that Jesus chose to become human so that we might have a relationship with God, that he came to be our friend, then our relationship with God becomes twisted and distorted from what it should be. We risk always and only coming before God with a prostrate attitude. There may be times when that's appropriate, for apologies are a natural part of all healthy human relationships, but it cannot be every time. On occasion we may come to God broken-hearted from an awareness of our sin, but we should also come before him with thanksgiving and praise. We should come before him with requests, come before him to express our devotion, come to him simply to listen. And at times we can also come to him when our heart is breaking because the difficulties of life has brought us low. There's no need for pretense. You can bring your real self, your real mess, real emotions, real questions, real doubts before him in all sincerity and raw truth. Don't you think he already knows? He knows and he loves you. He knows and he wants you to trust him enough to tell him the whole truth about what you're feeling. Let him have it all. The good, the bad and the downright ugly, whatever it is that you're thinking and feeling, you won't be struck by lightning. It must be a source of great grief to God that there are so many Christians today who may have been Christians for 20, 30 or 40 or more years but who haven't progressed spiritually because they've not learned this fundamental lesson of being honest. We can't progress if there's hypocrisy in our life. Authenticity is a vital component for any healthy relationship. When we sense that someone is secretive or insincere, our trust and intimacy are eroded. Authenticity and realness, on the other hand, builds confidence in a relationship since it promotes understanding, trust and empathy. God created us for authentic relationships and that includes an authentic relationship with him. Since we're created in the image and likeness of God, we are designed to enjoy genuine fellowship with him. We cannot grow unless we eliminate pretense and allow ourselves to be real with God. It's best to be open with the one who made us and to allow him to comfort us, teach us and change our perspective. Are you willing to take that risk? Will you fall at the feet of Jesus and open up your life? Tell him the whole truth about what you're thinking and feeling and then let him love you back to the fullness of life in all abundance that is your friend he wants you to have. To be honest before God 
is to invite a perfectly loving, powerful and grace-filled Father into the places of our lives that need him the most. He longs to be asked into the very wounds we work so tirelessly to cover up. He longs to heal and transform the darkest, hardest places of our hearts. He longs for us to be fully known by him in every way that we might experience the full depths of his powerful, transformational love. We don't have to be plagued by the wounds from our past and we certainly don't have to spend so much of our time and energy trying to cover up the times when we're genuinely hurt. Are you ready to offer your whole life to God even when you are hurting? Are you willing to share whatever pain you may feel whatever disappointments, sadness, anger, dejection, frustration and doubts you may have tried to hide. Do you want to be known by God as my My friend? friend? Then you need to be open with your friend. If you value that relationship, if you value that friendship, then you must be willing to be real, to be open and pour out your heart to God if that is how you are feeling. He cares and he designed you to be real with him. Offer up your life, your whole life, including your brokenness and pain, your anxiety and cares, as well as your joys and thanks. Eliminate all pretense and get real. I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender I must give my every part Lord receive the sacrifice of a broken heart Jesus what can I give What can I bring To so faithful a friend To so loving a King Savior what can be said Dead of love that is all 
spirit and truth pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you in surrender i must give my every part lord receive the sacrifice of a broken heart lord receive the sacrifice of a broken heart lord receive the sacrifice of a broken heart hello this has been say lard time to pause a podcast from plexus salvation army an online church in the uk i'm ian i'm elizabeth and i'm sam if you've enjoyed journeying with us over these last few weeks join us every monday or any day that works for you to spend time together taking time out to pause catch our breath draw near to god and refresh our spirits we share bible teachings reflections on songs we're listening to and on what's going on in the world around us as well as this on the last day of the month we look back and reflect share any thoughts from our listener community and ask what we can take from it into our daily living. What we call our personal So What's for the month. Join us, making us part of your regular routine, spending a few minutes to listen to what God might be saying to you. Find us on your favourite podcast streaming service, on Facebook or YouTube by searching for Selah. That's S-E-L-A-H. Time to pause.